For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Episode of Over the Line. This is your championship hangover edition. While we try and help you get through the horrible things you suffered last night. Because that's what we're here to do. We're here to just help. Helping you guys get through tough times. So why don't we put this podcast together? I mean, that's the first thing I've got to talk about, right? I don't really have a choice. I've, I've been catching a lot of heat because people assume, and then when I say people, I don't mean anybody in particular, because um, it's been rampant on Facebook, that I am just giddy over the fact that Alabama lost. And there is an element of that, but not necessarily in a nefarious way. It's it's kind of a compliment. And it's, it's really this, the same reason so many other people across the country were excited about the outcome of last night's game. And that's because uh, Alabama has has dominated at such a level and just going on to, to pounce on every single team they come across it's finally a nice change of pace to see the shoe on the other foot. Because I, myself, many other people, even some Alabama football fans, will tell you Alabama football had been getting boring. Because they, they would go in, they would beat the crap out of every team they play, and it was just same thing week after week. And from an entertainment standpoint, that's no fun to watch. It's really not. So... 
this may have been a good thing for Alabama. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm serious. I know some of y'all are mad at me right now, but uh, man, it was amazing. It it, it was uh, it was something that nobody expected. It was it, it was just uh, you know normally you you wouldn't see a, a a butt whooping like that and say it was a good game, but this one was just because of who these two teams were. Never in a million years would Alabama get beaten in that fashion. Was it possible that Alabama was going to get beaten before the game? Yeah, there were plenty of people out there who were picking Clemson. I was not one of them. I didn't think Clemson stood a chance. But because Alabama is so good and so intimidating to so many teams across the country, that's why this was such a big deal. That the Giant was finally taken down in the fashion, in the same fashion that that Giant had been taking down everybody else. That's what made that a very uh, a memorable national championship. And again, that may be the shot in the arm that uh, Alabama needs, but uh, it was it was a good game. It was better than I could have anticipated. Another thing was at the end of the game and, and how Dabo Sweeney conducted himself. And if you followed Dabo Sweeney for any length of time, you know that his post-game press conference was nothing out of the norm. It's it's what he does after most games. And that was, uh, he gave, you know, credit to the Almighty first and foremost and uh, did it on several occasions, which is a breath of fresh air for those of us that sit back and think, We never see that kind of stuff on TV anymore. So it was nice. It also drives liberals crazy, which I'm a fan of uh, in every sense of the word. Uh, But also, it was on the same championship game, the same TV broadcast that AT&T puts out a, a commercial where two gay dudes are leaving their kids with a female babysitter who is apparently just some dumb woman that can't remember anything. I'm currently waiting on the liberal outrage from that where uh, feminists are losing their minds that uh, the babysitter had to be female and she had to be uh, a DA. So I'll let you know when uh, that happens. But nonetheless, good game last night. I blame Butch Jones for all of this. I told you guys I should have never picked him up. And that's what happens. Butch Jones is a cancer for football, and he just proved that again last night. Good news is I found an article that said, uh, this happened back in December, that he's now leaving to go join the coaching staff in Maryland, if I'm not mistaken. So y'all have to deal with that again. That's the good news. But, uh, oh, another aspect of that. I'm I'm not going to talk football for an hour and a half. This was the championship game. This would have been the title that... Had Nick Saban won, he would have surpassed Paul Bear Bryant for number of national championships. And I think the number's six. Is it six or seven? Anyway, they're currently tied right now. If he would have won tonight, he would have officially passed Bear Bryant for national titles. And it's almost like where for so many years and throughout my childhood, Bear Bryant was the thing he was it he was he was what everybody talked about he's the he's the source and the the inspiration for the houndstooth that everybody wears and all this kind of stuff and and now it's almost like nobody talks about bear bryant anymore because nick saban is the new bear bryant 
And that will definitely be the case if he uh, wins one more national championship before he hangs it up. When does he hang it up? Most of us in the SEC hope soon. But uh, year after year, he seems to come back. So I'm not going to continue to hold my breath. I'm tired of passing out. Uh, first off, 646-668-2714 is the number to get you in on the show. Plenty of stuff to talk about today that I'm very excited about. Also excited about some things that are coming up this week and even coming next week. Um I'm in the business of telling you guys what I'm doing behind the scenes in the first place, even if it doesn't come to fruition, which happens a lot. Uh, I told you yesterday we're working on getting Andrew Pollock on the show at the end of this week to talk about some moves that have happened to demolish that promise program that basically allowed that Parkland shooter to slip through the cracks. But uh, the Hollywood conservative Amanda Head that you used to hear on the radio station that we were on uh, I've been talking to her about coming on the show as well, so we're going to see if we can't hook that up and uh, pick her brain a little bit as to uh, what's going on in the world today. Overthelineshow.com is the website, so make sure you go there, check out what we got going on, make sure you sign up for the newsletter and all that jazz. Off the top, tonight... And we found this out yesterday afternoon, at least it was confirmed yesterday afternoon. Donald Trump, the president of the United States, will be giving his first televised presidential address. The first one he's done during his administration. And he's going to be doing this on the topic of the national crisis at the border. This is a good thing. It's it's tradition for presidents to to go on TV, and uh, every now and then during uh, uh, trying times in our country, go on TV and reassure the American people uh, that we got this under control. This is what we're going to do, and uh, not to worry. We've seen George W. Bush do it. We've seen Barack Obama, Bill Clinton. George H.W. Bush, uh, Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter, all these guys, that's how, this is how they used to get their message to the American people and to the average American that didn't necessarily keep up with politics or watch the news. They would just take all the channels on TV, all all the local channels, and they would broadcast the speech. Times have changed, obviously, in 2019, consuming what's going on with the world and what's going on with our president has drastically changed where we get a presidential address every two to three hours uh, via Twitter. But it is kind of tradition for them to go on TV and have a teleprompter-style speech and reassure Americans that that uh, everything's going to be all right. I, there's, it, it's almost a prideful moment in most cases. I, I've watched Barack Obama early in his presidency give those addresses, and I thought, man, that makes me proud to be an American. Now, those feelings kind of died off as we moved uh, into his presidency, but uh, always in the past. It was it was nice to see the, the president come up and say, you know what, we're still America uh, we're still the best country in the nation, and we're going to handle this. 
so I'm excited that uh, that Donald Trump is going to make that happen, even though he's got a million different other ways to make this address to the American people. Uh, we will obviously break that down, what he says tomorrow night. In, uh, tomorrow night, tomorrow morning, we'll break it down, and I uh, uh, hope you all get to watch it tonight. One thing about that, though, and I said this before I even looked at the news last night, because I'm, I'm in the mode of like doing show prep at night now, and this just trying to catch up with anything breaking the next day. Um, I couldn't help but think to myself while I was talking to my girlfriend about the presidential address. Um, I told her, I said, I guarantee you that there will be at least an effort by the network, the network channels, the 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 the, the local channels, the the ABCs, the NBCs, the the CBS, whatever. These the, the the national I guess however you phrase it the national owners of these channels there will be a concerted effort for these guys to not carry that presidential address again it's 2019 there's going to be a million and a half different ways to watch that presidential address and really uh, watching it on CBS 42 or NBC 13s on the lower end of that but. I just felt it in my bones that these guys would be like, you know what? We're not going to carry that. We're not going to. We're not going to condone this president's behavior. We we don't know what he could say, and we don't we don't want to get fined by the FCC for broadcasting curse words. Not to mention he's a racist, and we refuse to put a racist on our channel. I say that to my girlfriend. I said, you just watch. That's what's going to happen. Now, I pull up my laptop, I pull up my iPad, I start flipping through stories, and sure enough, one of the first stories I come across. Headline, TV networks consider not airing Trump's border security address. Hmm. Go figure. Uh, this was according to The Hill, and I just want to tell you what they said, and... and this is a timeline of events that, that transformed, so just try to keep up with me. The Hill said CNN and Fox News channels are planning to air Trump's address. One, because Fox likes Trump. Two, because CNN can't survive without Trump, so they've got to carry it. Um, while basic cable networks, CBS, NBC, and ABC have not committed one way or another. MSNBC has not made a public comment one way or the other, and the network has repeatedly opted not to air Trump events before. We've seen that in the past. Uh, Trump's going to address the nation for the first time from the Oval Office Tuesday night on the humanitarian and national security crisis on our southern border, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he announced that on Twitter, saying, I am pleased to inform you that I will address the nation on the humanitarian and national security crisis on our southern border, Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. So that would be 8 o'clock Central Time for those of you uh, in that time zone. So I said, wow, I must be psychic. Call me Miss Cleo because I called it. But then the news outlets came out today. Uh, not the news outlets, but uh, reports started surfacing today that those channels, the ABC CBS, NBC, that those guys will, in fact, now carry 
that address. They must have gotten some good advice and said, you guys are going to look like complete obstructionists if you don't carry this, so you might want to reconsider. They did so, so they should be carrying it. And again, in the big picture, it shouldn't matter because there's a, a, a very small portion of this country that still gets all of their news and all of their updates from those channels like that. Now, you could make the argument that in um, lower class, economically lower class communities that, you know, that may be all they have. They don't have cell phones or data on their phone where they can go and watch whatever they want to, or they just don't have access to that stuff. And that's, that's a valid argument. But still, it's a very small percentage of, of the country that has to rely on that stuff. So if they said they didn't want to carry it, it really doesn't matter. It's just the principle of the thing. In the anti-Trump hysteria, the Trump derangement syndrome that has infested the media, that infestation of the media has then bled over to the American people and it freaks people out. And that's why you see uh, such a hatred for Donald Trump from so many people. I feel the sickness coming on, y'all. I can't tell you how many times I've had to mute my mic already. This is bad. Um, the Pentagon, on the other side of that, again, we'll break that stuff down tomorrow, tomorrow morning after, but I hope you guys watch and, and what we'll do on the Over the Line Facebook page. Make sure you're, uh, you've got yourself added on that page. You've liked the page and follow it and all that. We will take the video once it starts broadcasting and... We will post it on the page so you can watch it live. So you don't have to go and, and search through your channels or look online to find it. We'll make sure it's there where you can just pull up our page and you can watch it and uh, see it from there. It's supposed to be only 8, 10 minutes long. So it's not going to be a uh, be a big deal. But if we put it on the page and you miss it, you can then at any time go back and watch it. So it's uh, it's easy access. Uh, with that said, the fact that he's going to be addressing the humanitarian crisis, the national security crisis on the border, it's got a lot of people thinking. It's got me thinking. And I don't want to make this call and, and make myself look like a fool. But I have to ask myself, does this have anything to do with calling this a national security and having the military build the wall. Is this the moment he does that? And he wants to face the nation while he does it and say, hey, here's the deal. It's a national security crisis. I can't get it done through Congress. So I'm just going to have to use my executive powers and build the wall. Interesting thing is the Pentagon is actually preparing for a potential order from the president to build the wall. They're preparing themselves as if Donald Trump is on his way to call it a national emergency. We'll see tonight. You want to talk about the press conference heard around the world? 
the presidential address heard around the world, that would be it. If he calls this and says, we're going to build the wall without Congress, we're going to have fun tomorrow. I can guarantee you. 646-668-2714, overthelineshow.com. We will be back right after this. Y'all hang tight. It's the most wonderful time in eight years Yet some kids are protesting while Trump fans investing their time with good cheer Sing it's the most wonderful time in eight years It's the happiest voting season of all with each staff member, Trump picks Democrats up to their old tricks, just trashing them all. But it's the ha- happiest election season of all. There'll be one party hosting, all three branches toasting, but how low now will the press go? They'll spin misguided stories trying to steal Trump's glory from a playbook written long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time in eight years There'll be much more enjoyment, a lot less unemployment Cause Trump will be near It's the most wonderful time in eight years Hillary's Party's not hosting, they're no longer toasting. Beyonce, Kanye, cop killers, racist, and the Muslim Brotherhood. They ignored true stories of Hillary who wasn't sorry for her crimes now and long ago. Now it's the most wonderful time in eight years. We'll deport all the criminals, taxes will be minimal, bad trade deals disappear. It's the most wonderful time, yes, the most wonderful time, oh, the most wonderful time. 
Show.com available on iTunes. On uh, well, are we available on iTunes? I don't know if that's a thing. We're on Apple Podcast. Let me see. If we're on iTunes, shouldn't we be making money? I'm about to find out. Y'all hang tight. Do I even have an iTunes thing? Maybe I deleted it. I don't use iTunes. One time I used uh, Apple Radio, or Apple Music, whatever it's called, and I hated it. I didn't like it. I stuck with Spotify. That's my jam. I guess I don't have it. I guess y'all could search it and see if we're on there or not. But we're definitely on Apple Podcast. Just search over the line. Also, we're on Spotify. We're on CastBox. We're on several different platforms. I'll actually tell you, we're on Apple Podcast, we're on Google Podcast, we're on Spotify, Breaker, Castbox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. So any of those apps you can download and listen to the show each and every day. Take us with you wherever you go. You can download the show while you're at home on your Wi-Fi. Download it to your phone. Take it with you. Listen to it. After you listen to it, you can delete it. And then download the next show the next day. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. So go do that. There's also a way to uh, contribute to the show. If you want to donate in any form or fashion, that's the way uh, we'll do it. I'm not... Uh, we're actually investing the money back into the show. We're not sending it to the wall or anything, so... Um, but if this show takes off and I don't need the money, I'm going to donate it to the wall for sure. Anyway, back to what we were talking about. The big address tonight, Donald Trump will be speaking to the nation about the humanitarian crisis uh, on the southern border. And it really is. It's a, it's a humanitarian crisis. You've got children dying, women dying, men dying, uh, people making the, the dangerous trek so many miles to illegally enter the U.S. or seek asylum in, in a lot of cases. And um, people are dying. People are being uh, raped. People are being beaten. It's, it's an awful situation. And I've seen so many people, because this wall issue is kind of making its way back into the mainstream, where I'm, I'm seeing people post on social media about the wall, their opinions on the wall, people that don't normally talk politics or don't pay a close enough, uh, they don't pay attention as close as we do to this stuff. So it's an issue everybody's talking about now. And, and I'm seeing so many people say this wall is pointless. It's not going to stop illegal immigration. I, I think illegal immigration is wrong, but this wall is stupid. People can just use a ladder and climb over it, which is the stupidest argument I've seen. 
But people have it in their head, and I don't know if they're saying this just because that's what the Democrats told them or what, but they're saying that this wall is not going to do anything. That it's not going to stop illegal immigration. And I can't wrap my head around that line of thinking. This wall is more than just a fix-all. And it's really not a fix-all. This wall is something, it's a deterrent, okay? I don't know if people, they have it in their head where we're going to put up a wall and then we're all just going to go back home and just say, okay, the wall works. We'll never have to worry about it again. The wall across the southern border is there to aid border security. It's there to be that protection in those certain areas where border patrol agents can't be. Illegal immigrants even cross into the country where border patrol border patrol agents are stationed. And they still try to sneak around them. Some sometimes they 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 get they they make their way out and they get into this country. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're caught. But if there is a wall there and we've got cameras and, and drones and whatever else going on, if there's a wall, Border Patrol agents detect somebody trying to cross over a wall, cross over the wall in an area that they aren't at at that moment, that wall will give them the opportunity to get over there before Jose puts his uh, puts his ladder up and climbs over the wall. And then we can stop him. It is also a deterrent. This is the big thing that I, I, I really want people to understand. Once that wall is built, it is a deterrent for these families to make the track up here with the intentions of just illegally crossing. So these these women, these children, these people that are dying on these, these tracks that are thousands of miles to the border. When word gets back to El Salvador and Guatemala and Honduras that there is now a wall, so you better not make the trip up there, they don't go. They don't even try. Unless they have intentions of doing it the right way, they don't even try. So at that point, kids aren't dying in sweltering heat from walking thousands of miles. People aren't getting raped by human smugglers. That's where the humanitarian crisis comes in. This is more than just keeping brown people out of the country. This is about saving lives on both sides of the border. This is about keeping the sovereignty of this country intact. So for the people out there saying, and I know you've got, you guys have seen it on social media... There's people saying, oh, the border walls are not going to do anything. They just climb over it or they could build a tunnel under it. Give me a break. Actually think about this instead of just popping off at the mouth without using your brain. Think for yourself instead of just going with your Democrat talking points that you heard on TV. Think with your brain instead of letting your hatred for Trump guide Guide your comments. Guide your opinions. So anyway, the Pentagon, as I said, is preparing uh, in case Donald Trump orders the military to build the Southern Wall. This is according to a defense official. 
Donald Trump came out uh, Sunday. He said, I may declare a national emergency, depending on what's going to happen over the next few days. This was two days ago he said that. Now he has an address tonight. Again, I'm not saying that he's going to come out there and declare the national emergency. But he could. It's very possible. And apparently the Pentagon thinks that possibility is a real one. Because they're prepared, they're doing their preparations, they're doing what they need to do to get ready for Donald Trump to make that call. Even if he doesn't do that tonight, there is going to be a point, and it's going to be, I, I firmly believe this week, because he knows how important it is to open the government back up. There will be a point this week where Donald Trump says the Democrats aren't going to give. I tried to do what I can. I've been over backwards trying to compromise, meet in the middle for these guys. So I'm just going to have to uh, just going to have to do it myself. Now say he does do that. What does that mean? What happens after that? Well, court cases can be brought up. They can be uh, thrown into the kangaroo courts of whatever we do with with that stuff. Where everything Trump does is that he gets opposed and it gets challenged in court. I don't know exactly how that turns out. And I don't really even know the real process of how that goes. But you can guarantee yourself that when Trump decides to call for the border wall to be built, that it will be challenged in court. I don't have the answers of how that whole thing's going to work out, but it's going to be quite a show. And it's just something that has to be done. Donald Trump has done everything he can to work with the Democrats on this front. And they have fought him tooth and nail. They've made it very clear, as I said yesterday, that they are not going to bend and they're not going to compromise and they're not even going to negotiate. They're telling Trump, here's what we want. And we're not changing our mind. We're not going to compromise anything we want to meet you in the middle. Or should I say what we don't want? And Donald Trump's done everything he can to meet in the middle. Democrats for so long have not had to compromise with Republicans. Republicans were the ones that buckled and gave the Democrats what they want just so they could have on their resume another piece of legislation passed. That was it. And it's those reasons that got Donald Trump elected. So we'll watch it and see anything uh, happening after that fact. Uh, it will be uh, exciting to talk about tomorrow. Also, speaking of preparations, apparently there are conservative legal circles as well as uh, the White House's counsel office Within those circles, uh, they're apparently quietly preparing for Ruth Bader Ginsburg to retire. Now, I got this from uh, the Daily Caller. Apparently, uh, they talked to some sources that are saying this. 
But they put it like this. Quiet preparations are underway within conservative legal circles and the White House's counsel office in the event that Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg retires. Two sources familiar with the process tell the Daily Caller. Now, why would they be doing this? Well, because yesterday, 85-year-old RBG didn't appear for oral arguments at the Supreme Court. Why is that significant? Because in her 25 years on the court, it's her first time missing oral arguments. And the reason she missed them is because of her failing health. She's currently uh, recuperating from from surgery to remove those cancerous uh, spots on her lungs or whatever it was. But it's... <laughs> It's getting close. And and listen, God bless Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And if she's on her uh, deathbed, I I hope she has her affairs in order. Okay? I really do. Because even for people like that, I want in the end for them to ultimately uh, gain eternal life. I want that for everybody. Even RGB. Or RBG. Sorry. But the meltdown that will ensue if RBG decides she needs to hang it up or she, you know, heaven forbid, passes away is going to be like nothing you have ever seen in your life. Nothing you've ever seen in your life. She has been declining in health over the past year or two, as we've seen and we've we've documented. We've kept up with that whole thing. But it may get, be getting to a point now where it's imminent that she hangs it up, that she just she can't do it anymore. And that's why the White House Counsel's Office is making preparations for what they're going to do, who they're going to replace her with. She's the last hope for liberals across the land. She's the last major left-wing holdout for Democrats. And if they lose Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Trump will be running roughshod on the Supreme Court. Now, does that mean the Supreme Court's always going to rule in favor of Trump or rule in favor of conservatives? No, I don't think so. We just watched Neil Gorsuch... Uh, rule in favor of Planned Parenthood for a particular case just a few weeks ago, which is another issue that requires an entire discussion. But it will be an absolute nightmare for liberals across this country if, in fact, Donald Trump is allowed to pick another Supreme Court justice. And it's not necessarily that they're terrified that it's another conservative. I mean, they are. But their biggest fear is that Donald Trump is the person picking that Supreme Court justice. Can you imagine a president 
especially Donald Trump, within two years, say two to three years, picking three Supreme Court justices. How absolutely insane. Like, you could not even dream that up. I, I, I did an interview with Eric Bowling, formerly of Fox News. I think he's on CRTV now. And this was uh, early in, well, I, this was actually late in the campaign. Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton, probably summer of 2016. And we were talking about the importance of that election. And he said, listen, one of the major issues is the Supreme Court. Because whoever wins the presidency could get three or four Supreme Court picks. Even within the first term. And I'm like, man, that's a lot. Are you sure? He's like, I'm telling you. It's very possible that that could happen. No matter who wins, they can have themselves a handful of Supreme Court picks. And sure enough, here we are. We're looking uh, number three right down the barrel. So we'll keep an eye on that as uh, those guys gingerly, they, they literally, that's how they quoted it, gingerly preparing for Ruth Bader Ginsburg to retire. We'll see. Uh, over to our dear friend, or should I say our dear friends at The View. Y'all know how much I love uh, watching The View and playing clips of The View for you guys. Uh, this one I could not pass up because if you keep up with my Twitter, at Andrew McLean Who, you saw me post yesterday a tweet that was uh, a video of uh, Ocasio-Cortez in her 60 Minutes interview with Anderson Cooper and how she talks about, you know, people get caught up in facts and all this kind of stuff and they just they can't see the forest for the trees because of it. And I'm like, man, for talk, pe- for, for talk show people, podcast people, radio people, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is absolute gold. It sucks that we've got somebody as crazy as she is in our House of Representatives. But man, what a gift it is to people like myself. So that brings me to The View. Yesterday on The View, shockingly, Whoopi Goldberg decided she was going to take shots at Ocasio-Cortez. And it was about comments. She said she, she was, I don't have her exact comments Ocasio-Cortez, but she was talking about how the establishment in Washington, and she was really talking about within her own party, has failed to do the right thing by the American people, has failed to get it done, and they've just sat on their hind end for so long, and she's ready to get in there and actually make things happen. She's ready to get in there and do the things that the Democrat Party has been promising for so long. Whoopi Goldberg uh, apparently did not like the fact that she was taking shots at the veterans in the House of Representatives. Find out going into 2020 is if the establishment really has any pull within their party like they did with Hillary, or if the vein of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the socialist Democrat in that vein, is going to end up being the nominee. Democratic and socialist. And I think they have the moved nominee on for what? Warren. For the Democratic to be the, to be oh, the listen, nominee for let me, the president. Let me just say this about Ocasio-Cortez. She just got in on Thursday. She was sworn in. Yes. Yeah. 
And she's very opinionated, which we like. We like opinionated yeah. women. But it is very, very difficult when people make accusations where you, that you say, you know, the Democrats have, have done nothing. The, they, the establishment of the Democrats mm. have done nothing. And I just want to throw this out to you. Um, John Lewis oh, yeah. wasn't sitting still. Right. Um, Dianne Feinstein wasn't sitting still. Mm -hmm. There are a whole bunch of people in the Democratic Party who have been busting their asses to make sure that women get what they need, people get what they need, children get what they need. So and you just got... They make sure that people get falsely accused of raping people. Don't forget that part. Seriously. In there, and I know you got lots of good ideas, but I would encourage you to sit still for a minute and learn the job. <laughs> and, you know, and just, you know, because there are people in that party who have been working their tails off for and they this know, country. They know a lot. And they know a They've lot. And you, could, and you could learn some stuff from them. Yeah. And I just feel like, you know, you don't have to be uh, born into it. You don't have to know it when you step out. but. Before you start pooping on people and what they've done, you got to do something too. Well, she hasn't done that's that. Well said. Well, that's and really well said. There's room yeah. for new energy. There is, there is absolutely energy room for new energy. You got to prove yourself. Oh, and they all start talking over each other. I can't take it. I can't take it. Uh, that's good. That's good. Because Ocasio-Cortez here, uh, she has, uh, she's already starting to make enemies. And that was only a matter of time. You, you can't come in and start taking shots at representatives in your own party and uh, taking shots at senators of your own party. It's just, it's not going to work out. And so Whoopi is uh, not happy with the new kid on the block. Now, here's, here's, the, uh, here's the catch. I think Whoopi's attacking her for the wrong reasons. Now, yes, the the, the senators and, and representatives she's referring to, uh, they have busted their butt in their times in uh, in their time in Congress, but not to get things done like protect people and get people what they need. It's actually been uh, the opposite, which is they've busted their butt to destroy this country. So Ocasio-Cortez and uh, the people she's taking shots at, they have a lot more in common than I think she realizes. Uh, the other point is the fact that I think Whoopi is taking shots at Ocasio-Cortez for all the wrong reasons. Because if you've seen any of the 60 Minutes interview with her and Anderson Cooper, your jaw will hit the floor. Now, I want to play you some of what she said, and I want you to listen closely. Try to keep up, because these comments will probably melt your brain. They did me when I listened to it last night. Here we go. Ocasio-Cortez and Anderson Cooper, 60 Minutes. Since the election, some conservative media outlets have focused on Ocasio-Cortez with an intensity unusual for a rookie member of Congress. 
Her views, her policy positions are actually downright scary. She's been accused of being dishonest about the true cost of her proposals and the tax burden they would impose on the middle class. She's also been criticized for making factual mistakes. One of the criticisms... Almost, they, they phrase it like it's almost unfair. Well, she's just new, and, and it's weird. Conservatives are already picking on her. Well, she keeps saying stupid stuff. That's why she's getting picked on. Some of you is that your math is fuzzy. The Washington Post recently awarded you four Pinocchios... Oh, my goodness. ...for a misstating... Oh, my goodness. ...some statistics about Pentagon spending. If people want to really blow up one figure here or one word there, I would argue that they're missing the forest for the trees. I think that there's a lot of people more concerned about being precisely, factually, and semantically correct than about being morally right. Uh, <laughs> We've got too many people in this country that is worried about being factually correct. And I think it's stupid, like, such as stupid facts. But being factually correct is important. It's absolutely important. <laughs> and whenever I make a mistake, I say, okay, this was clumsy. And then I restate what my point was. Um, but it's, it's not the same thing as the president lying about immigrants. It's not the same thing at all. <laughs> Anderson Cooper called her out. He's like, but uh, facts are important. Yes, they are, but it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as the president lying about immigrants. He said they're all rapists. Well, uh, uh, Miss Cortez, that's, that's actually not factually correct either. Well, it's not the same thing. Uh, facts are silly. And it goes on. She doesn't stop there. She's asked how she uh, would propose paying for $40 trillion in government programs that she's talked about on the campaign trail and she's continued to talk about now that she's in office. And... the. the <laughs> This right here, this is, uh, this is what she says when she was pressed on the issue. How are you going to pay for all of this? No one asks how we're going to pay for this space force. No one asked how we paid for a $2 trillion tax cut. We only ask how we pay for it on issues of housing, health care, and education. How do we pay for it? With the same exact mechanisms that we pay for military increases, for the space force, for all of these uh, ambitious policies. There are Democrats, obviously, who are worried about your effect on the party. Democratic Senator Chris Coons said about... So what we'll do is we'll just take the military's money away and we'll pay for my programs. She, she literally said, and, and this is the, uh, the mindset of some people that are her age. Um, instead of saying, okay, here's what I'm going to do, or here I'm going to take responsibility for this, that, or the other... She points at somebody else and places the blame on them. Anderson Cooper simply wants an answer to the question, how do you plan on paying for this stuff? And she says, well, you didn't ask Trump how he's paying for the Space Force. You didn't ask him how he's paying for, for the wall, this, that, and the other. So why are you asking me? I shouldn't have to answer. Well, yeah, you, you, he asked you the question. Well, we'll just do it the same way we're going to pay for the Space Force. And how is that? Well, I don't know. You'll have to ask him. That's not my fault. Nothing's my fault. 
left-leaning Democrats. If the next two years is just a race to offer increasingly unrealistic proposals, it'll be difficult for us to make a credible case we should be allowed to govern again. What makes it unrealistic? How to pay for it. We pay more <laughs> per capita in health care and education for lower outcomes than many other nations. And so for me, what's... Un wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> He said, "She said we pay more for lower. Uh, we we pay more for health care uh, and, and other programs. We pay more for people of lower outcomes. I think she means lower income. This lady is an idiot. Realistic is is what we're living in right now. Oh, oh man, that's so bad. That's so bad. And and that lady holds an office." In Washington, D.C. Literally. She is representing this country. She's she's representing one of the... Uh, one of the, the, the richest states. If not the richest state in the union. People voted for this lady. Because it's not like she got to office and started talking like this or, you know started discussing the issues in this manner. She was doing that through the whole campaign. She she didn't become an idiot two weeks ago. She's been an idiot the whole time. Unfortunately, Anderson Cooper didn't have enough dirt to cover up that stupid. Whether he meant to do it or not, he uh, he only reinforced her looking like an idiot. I got more on Ocasio-Cortez when we get back right after this. 646-668-2714, overthelineshow.com. All our social media and stuff is on there as well. You need to email the show, andrew at overthelineshow.com. Make sure you hook that up. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter on the website. Scroll to the bottom, enter your email address, and uh, you'll be updated as to what's going on with this show. More coming up right after this.
remember landing under sniper fire. That is what happened. Our folks on the ground were in danger. <laughs> I don't find it funny at all. <laughs> if you search for treacherous, it isn't hard to find when crooked Hillary has the support she needs to fill. You've never received any emails or classified. But if you look for truthfulness, you might just as well be blind. And from the Clintons, it always seems so hard to give. Dishonesty is such a perfect word for Hillary is so untrue. Do you think New York State should recognize gay marriage? This is wrong. And it's never ever heard and not what we will get from her there were over 60,000 emails that were not related to my work it's always hard to find someone even in the FBI to file charges against slippery Hillary we cannot bring criminal charges but we don't some ugly face to tell us ugly lies. <laughs> All we want is someone we can believe. Dishonesty is such a perfect word. Hillary is so It's hardly ever heard She lies until her face is blue Marriage is a sacred bond between a man and a woman Diane Sawyer was apparently quick to defend her and her husband's The media gives her cover Along with her lying friends She gets safety and security Until the bitter end As Attorney General, it would be Loretta Lynch can't comfort us with false promises again. I know, we know. she <laughs> Benghazi found her deep in lies. She wasn't too concerned. She blamed a stupid video and said, What difference does it make? <laughs> When the United States needs security Tell me where else can we turn Crooked Hillary You know we can't depend upon Honesty It's such a lonely word Hillary is so untrue I've been very consistent over the course of my entire life this is always what we've heard And prison is what we need for you And I'm not representing New York, I'm not a 
9-11. I represented Wall when Street. We were attacked, we were attacked, where, we attacked where Wall Street is. I have been very consistent over the course of my entire life. I have always fought for the same values and principles. You were against same-sex marriage. Now you're for it. You defended President Obama's immigration policies. Now you say they're too harsh. You supported his trade deal. Now suddenly you're against it. Hostile actors gained access to Secretary Clinton's personal email account. You can live with a protest about a video. That won't hurt you. But a terrorist attack will. But you can't be square with the American people. Today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you. By now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now Backbeat, the word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out I'm sure you've heard it all before but you never really had a doubt about you now And all the roads we have to walk are winding And all the lights that lead us there are blinding There are many things that I would like to say to you but I don't know how Because maybe Over the line, over the line show.com. 646-668-2714. Thank you guys for hanging out today. As we get uh, pumped up for the presidential address tonight, which is going to be a... Uh, going to be suspenseful until it gets here because and I don't again I want to reiterate the fact that I I don't know what's going to happen I just I know it's possible that Donald Trump gets out there and he says we got to call it a national emergency we got to build the wall Congress doesn't want to work with us so here we go let's do it There'll be some interesting things happening in Washington, D.C. if he does that, but uh, he may not do that. It's just as possible that he doesn't do that. Making an address on TV like this, which is Donald Trump's first time to do it, is um, something every president in the past has done. Obviously not every president, but all of our most recent presidents... It was the traditional way to get a message from the president to the American people that has dramatically changed uh, now that we're in 2019 where uh, we get a presidential address from Donald Trump multiple times a day. But this is uh, this is the most important issue going on in this country right now, the, the border wall and the government shutdown. And Donald Trump's doing what he can to bring a resolution, bring an end to this. And the people that have to be working with him are refusing to work with him. 
So he may be just going on TV to make his case to the American people and say, here's the deal. This is not about a campaign promise. This is not about this, that, and the other. It's about keeping Americans safe. That's all it is. I'm catching all this heat and all this resistance simply because I want to keep Americans safe. And um, that's the right move. I'm excited. We'll uh, obviously break that down tomorrow as we uh, kick off tomorrow's show. And we'll also post the broadcast of the uh, of the address on the Over the Line Facebook page. So if you want to be able to go in there and watch it live, or if you miss it, uh, it should be on there where you can go watch it whenever you want. Uh, back to Ocasio-Cortez real quick. I just want to mention this one thing that I've noticed over the past few days, and, and this is the thing about her table dancing in, the vi- in a video that started circulating the Internet. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's dancing video. I saw several headlines that talked about how conservatives were hypocritically ripping Ocasio-Cortez for this video and how she was uh, table dancing and this, that, and the other and how, how they thought it was so classless and blah, 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 blah. And it uh, shouldn't matter because they voted for Donald Trump and, and this video was from 2010 and all this, that, and the other. And I'm like, really? I mean, the, the video of her table dancing is not a big deal, in my opinion. If she did it while she was a, a private citizen, whatever. I'm like, that's kind of crappy of, of conservatives, pundits, or just random conservatives on Twitter to get out and start bashing this girl, even as stupid as she is to bash her for this video. So I'm like, I, w- I want to see what people are saying about this, because it's really uncalled for for them to say that. And it would be hypocritical, I do believe. So I search and I search and I search, and I, I keep searching and I search some more, and I-, I had trouble finding any conservatives criticizing Ocasio-Cortez for this video. Even though the headlines that I'm reading and the stories that I'm reading are saying that conservatives are going after her for this. Yet I never encountered any conservative outrage over a, a video of Ocasio-Cortez in high school dancing. It's not like she was naked, not like she was at a strip club. She was just dancing. And she was a kid, basically. But nonetheless, I, I see things like an article from Newsweek that ran a story that was titled Conservatives Mock Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for College Dancing Video Everyone Else Thinks It's Adorable. Um, the story, I, I, I read into it, and it didn't list any examples of conservatives attacking her, and it only listed like tweets and comments from journalists that were defending her. So I kept searching, I kept searching, I looked for uh, more stories about it, thinking, well, surely somebody's going to put some of these tweets from conservatives in here that are attacking her for this video. Uh, I find this uh, other article and th- th- that basically says the same thing. Conservatives attacking Ocasio-Cortez uh, over old dancing video from 2010 or whatever. So in the headline, it does. It says conservatives. I go through the article, 
the article states that one, and I quote, one Twitter user attacks her over the video. One, one Twitter user. They took, they, they took one Twitter user who allegedly attacked her over this video and made an entire article in Newsweek about it. Come on, cuz. That's the state of the mainstream media. So a manufactured, uh, manufactured outrage um, over Ocasio-Cortez, journalists defending Ocasio-Cortez over criticism that doesn't exist. Welcome to 2019. Over to another incoming representative idiot for the Democrat Party, and that is this Rashida Tlaib lady that, as we know, uh, hours after she was sworn into office, she told the story in front of a crowd that she told her son that... Bullies never win, and we're going to impeach this MFR, referring to Donald Trump, obviously. Uh, she's back in the news, and, and not for that particular instance, which that deserves more scrutiny, not necessarily for her, but for the leadership of the Democratic Party, Nancy Pelosi in particular, for not condemning this language and actually endorsing it, when she did that town hall on MSNBC Sunday night, uh, I actually watched Joe Manchin from West Virginia, a Democrat from West Virginia. He was on Fox News this morning, and he absolutely did condemn those comments and condemned the leadership and, and condemned anybody that did not condemn those comments from this new uh, representative. Anyway, this newly installed representative She's now catching some heat for uh, an anti-Semitic tweet that she posted on Sunday evening where she was accusing, basically accusing pro-Israel, Israeli, uh, pro-Israel Americans of dual loyalty, which is a common theme used by anti-Semites to attack Jewish people, as some of y'all know. She tweeted in response to, to Bernie Sanders, who is opposing uh, legislation that targets the boycott and uh, divestment and, and, and sanctions movement, which is itself is widely considered anti-Semitic for singling out Israel. I'll explain to you what that legislation means in a moment. But Bernie Sanders, who I thought was Jewish, they opposed the BDS legislation because they claim it stifles the, the, the freedom of speech and association. Although these same Democrats often support censorship of conservatives on campus and in the media and claim they're against anti-Semitism and whatever else, but... Many states, including far left California, they've already they already have anti BDS legislation, which typically does not prohibit boycotts of Israel, but prevents state governments from doing business with those who participate in such boycotts. So here's what Sanders, Bernie Sanders, tweeted out. 
in response to an article at The Intercept, which is a, 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 a publication founded by Glenn Greenwald. You all know him. He's, he's a harsh critic of Israel in the first place. But here's what Bernie Sanders says. He says, it's absurd that the first bill during the shutdown is legislation which punishes Americans who exercise their constitutional right to engage in political activity. Democrats must block consideration of any bills that don't reopen the government. Let's get our priorities right. Then Rashida Tlaib comes in, retweets Bernie Sanders, and she says they forgot what country they represent. This is the U.S. where boycotting is a right and part of our historical fight for freedom and equality. Maybe a refresher on our U.S. Constitution is in order then get back to reopening the government instead of taking away our rights. So, just to give you a, an overview of this legislation, um, in uh, the previous Congress, the, the, there was uh, uh, the measure known as... as uh, S-170, which gives, it gives state and local governments explicit legal authority to boycott any U.S. companies which themselves are participating in a boycott against Israel, okay? As of last month, there are 26 states in the U.S. that have enacted some version of a law to punish or otherwise sanction entities that participate in or support the boycott of Israel while similar laws are pending in at least 13 additional states. Rubio, who sponsored this bill, uh, his bill is designed to strengthen the legal basis to defend those Israel-protecting laws from uh, constitutional challenge. And this is the way The Intercept posts this. So basically what happens is when it comes to companies that are obviously anti-Semitic, that want to boycott Israel or boycott goods coming from Israel or whatever, um, that keeps, as California's law states, uh, state governments, prevent state governments from doing business uh, or organizations that are run by the state from doing business with with these companies. We're basically, basically boycotting our, our most important ally. This Talib representative, she is obviously not a fan of Israel. And I certainly believe she is anti-Semitic. The reason that they put this stuff in there is because of the radical ideas. And it's not, oh, these people, we got new Muslims in, in Congress and we've got to pass this stuff before they attack Israel. That may be part of it. But the radical ideas that these people have and the motivations they have that are so anti-Israel, it was important for Rubio and others in the Senate to say, we need to put some protections in place because we don't know what these wackadoodles are going to do. There was another story where uh, apparently there was a world map in Tlaib's office and in the Middle East it had a uh, a sticky note pointing to uh, Israel and uh, calling it Palestine. 
Also, I saw a tweet from the uh, American Jewish Committee, which is a nonpartisan organization. Uh, they responded to this whole thing by tweeting a photo of Talib, who had wrapped herself in a Palestinian flag after she won a primary election in Michigan. The mainstream media was not reporting on that. But you've got some people, uh, a part of the Democratic Party, that are now in Congress that have very anti-Israel, anti-Israeli views that are very dangerous for this country. When they talk about the radical left, when yesterday you heard Lindsey Graham talk about the radical left, calling the shots now, that's what he's talking about. It's people like that. And it's very, very scary that we have people like that in charge. That's an issue we'll continue to keep our eye on and keep you guys updated with. Um, as that whole thing progresses. Man, I got so much to talk about and not enough time to do it. Um, there was another story that I, I had just seen this morning. And it comes from an incident that happened early Monday morning on the West Coast, down in California. You may not know this name, but there's a guy by the name of Ed Buck, who is a very prominent donor uh, for Democrats. He was a big donor for the Hillary Clinton campaign in 2016, as well as many other uh, political candidates over several, several years. It's a well-known guy, and he would always be at these fundraisers and stuff like that. Um, apparently, for the second time in two years, a man has been found dead at Ed Buck's West Hollywood home, which has got some crazy twists and turns to it. Apparently, at 1.05 a.m., Pacific time on Monday morning. The West Hollywood Sheriff's deputies responded to a report that there was a person not breathing at uh, Buck's house or Buck's apartment. Authorities say that the person that, uh, that, that called attempted to perform CPR, but the man was pronounced dead at the scene and the cause of death is yet unknown. But according to the LA Times, the dead man's name has not been released, but... Nicole Nashida, who is a spokesman for the Sheriff's Department, said he was a black man. Buck previously was investigated for the death of another black man in 2017, Gimmel Moore, who was a 26-year-old. Authorities said uh, that Monday that Ed Buck was present for both deaths and announced that they are conducting a thorough investigation into the second death and that they will now reopen a follow-up investigation into Moore's death, the first guy that occurred in July of 2017. Sheriff's Department said in a statement yesterday, they said investigators are conducting a thorough investigation, which includes follow-up interviews and a secondary review of the July 27, 2017 incident. As with the as with the previous incident, the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office was immediately involved in reviewing the facts of the case and will be so in this case as well. Uh, the attorney of Ed Buck says that the the man 
they believe the man died of an accidental overdose. But here's the thing. Ed Buck is a 60-something-year-old gay man that is a big-time Democrat donor. And the fact that he's gay, is it's important, and I'm about to explain why. And none of this necessarily has to do is has happened because he is gay. It's because he's a weirdo. Uh, rumor has it that he is in the business of taking in these young uh, male escorts off the street that are homeless or, or or whatever their situation is, bringing them in, doing whatever weird stuff they do, hopping them up on drugs. And then them ultimately dying for one reason or another. But so far, this guy, within two years, has got two dead black guys in his apartment. And uh, now they're having to go back and investigate. Because I remember the first case, the family was completely irate that they didn't charge him with it. They said they didn't have a sufficient evidence to charge him, that uh, they couldn't prove that... He gave him the drugs. They ruled it an overdose, and they would have had to prove that he provided the drugs. And the family was irate because they're saying this this guy, because of who he is, because he's a rich white guy with a Democrat donor, that's why they didn't charge him. That's why he got off the hook. Because even though they found uh, the, the dead guy, the first dead guy's journal, where he had written that Buck had given him given him his first injection of crystal meth and got him hooked on drugs and all that. He wrote there that, hey, I would kill myself, but it would hurt too bad, so I'm just going to allow Buck to do it for me. Literally saying that the guy was killing him. He still got off the hook. Now here it's happened again, and they're not only investigating this one, but they're reinvestigating the first one, and hopefully... Uh, this guy will will be brought to justice because he's obviously up to some shady stuff. And this is not... In the world of Democrat donors and and some corners of the Democratic Party, not to go all conspiracy theory, but there was some weird, weird stuff going on. And maybe we'll do a show one day where we talk about some of this stuff. But some weird, weird stuff going on. And I don't want to go Pizzagate here or anything like that. But we still have a lot of unanswered questions about John Podesta's emails as well as well as a plethora of other things. Some weird, weird stuff that maybe we can discuss sometime uh, here in the future. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do it on a slow news day or something. But this is just an example, and the reason I brought it up, because it reminds me of all those other weird things that have happened. People mysteriously die. Andrew Breitbart mysteriously died. Weird, shady things that go on that time act to particular Democrats. Again, we'll talk about that when the news isn't wide open. Uh, Another thing I want to bring up before I get out of here, uh, apparently... There is a new rule in place in Saudi Arabia where men can no longer divorce their wives without telling them because they used to be able to do that. They used to be able to, I guess, go to the courts and tell their wife or, I mean, file for divorce and not even have to tell their wife that they're doing so. And the wife finds out, you know, months or years later when she's like, hey, I wonder where Frank's at. And only to find out, oh, Frank divorced you two years ago. Now the new rule is that 
women have to be notified via text message if their husband divorces them. I mean, that's a step in the right direction. At least you can get a heads up. But hey, you thought breaking up over text message was bad. How about finding out you got divorced over text message after the divorce is final? From what I understand, this is uh, this is the case here. A step in the right direction. How about this? I didn't even know women in Saudi Arabia had phones yet. That's kind of a big deal. All right, guys, don't forget tonight's presidential address on the humanitarian and national crisis on our southern border. It's going to be one for the ages. I'm excited to see what happens and to see what happens after that. Our nation's safety is hinging on that. The government reopening is hinging on that. So we will see. We'll be back tomorrow at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time for another episode of Over the Line. If you haven't been yet, go to OverTheLineShow.com. Go to the bottom of the page. Sign up for the newsletter. Also, go over to the right side of the page. We've got all of our social media stuff on there. Click it. Add us. Like us. All that jazz. Follow us wherever we go. I'm out of here. Until tomorrow. See you, cuz. Cause...